I'm not sure how it all got associated with uh, the subject of love, but I know that Valentine was a man of God back in the early centuries, and God uh, did a great miracle through his prayers. And so uh, I hope God does a great miracle in our hearts, to, that each of us that are here this morning. For those of you that are home, we love you. And uh, our heart goes out to you. I know some of you are struggling, and some are still recovering from sickness, and others are kind of taking some extra time. We love you, and we just can't wait for that to open up so you can be here with us, because in-person is incredible. It is uh, awesome, and I hope that you'll be here. All right, well, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. Today's message is entitled, History's High Place. This is the apex of history as we come to the last few verses in chapter 11. Some people feel like that history is just a twist of fate, you know? Some people are lucky, as they say. Others feel like that history is nothing more than random chance. Atheists, for example, tell us that somehow, somewhere, some time ago, who knows when, in some place, we're not sure, two atoms got together and they began to communicate. Two little A-T-O-M, not Adam. <laughs> two two uh, atoms got together and they began to uh, interact with one another and then soon there were three atoms and then there were four atoms and then they just happened to react and then just happened by random chance and then by random chance they had 10 atoms and then there was a million atoms and it is now known that in the human body there are seven octillion atoms. That's a uh, seven followed by 27 zeros. <laughs> And they're all interconnected, and they all work together in the human body, the mind, all the things that make up a human. But somehow that all just happened by random chance. Renowned biochemist T. Colum Campbell, who's well known for uh, his uh, work on health food and eating right and how it works with the body, T. Colin Campbell said if you flip a coin three times and it lands on head each time, that's chance. But if you flip that coin a hundred times and it lands on heads each time, you can be sure it's heads on both sides. <laughs> that is the concept, he said, of statistical significance. That is... The odds are that something cannot be random chance. Now, friends, may I say this morning that there is statistical significance to the fact that history is not just bobbing along like some little stick in a stream. No, there is a grand design with a grand designer who is bringing all things together, and we see that really come together in the book of Revelation. History is not about fate or luck or random chance. God is pulling the strings. Surely history is His story. And that's what we're going to see here. And that's what we've been seeing, that 
God is progressing along slowly, maybe at times, and yet in other ways, very fast. And now we're going to see a final display of His grace, of His glory, and God is going to bring the seventh trumpet of judgment and with it blessing. And now, as never before, do we need to know the words of the book of Revelation, because God is going to take down every kingdom, God is going to take down every wicked administration. It is going to happen. God has promised that every kingdom of this world is coming down, and we're going to come to that in the seventh trumpet. In fact, soon and very soon, this trumpet, the seventh trumpet of judgment, is going to announce the beginning of the end. And as we start in a few moments in verse 15, we are going to see the very last things that are checked off before the coming of the Lord comes at the end of the tribulation period. This is an exciting moment in the book of Revelation. John, at his wedding, was a most excited creature. Thinking of our beautiful Valentine's Day and thinking of it in light of the coming of the Lord. John, at his wedding, was a most excited creature. He gave his bride the marriage fee and tried to kiss the preacher. <laughs> you know, we find ourselves uh, here today with an exciting truth that God is coming. He is coming soon. And I am excited about this moment. And so let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. And we are going to see God coming into our lives in a fresh and a new way. God, I thank you for how you have come today to remind us of your, the truth that you were here to uh, Bring together, Lord, the culmination of the ages, how that history, Lord, is truly your history. And we thank you. We pray that, Lord, you'll give us clarity. We pray that, Lord, you'll give us power as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go to verse 15 of Revelation chapter 11. Look at the first part there. And the angel, the seventh angel, sounded. Now everything... Everything that is involved with the completion of the plan of God and the, uh, the culmination of the ages is involved in this seventh angel. There have been so many sevens in the book of Revelation. If you'll put that chart up there, let's take a look at it here. This chart shows us that uh, at the far left side, it is the time to receive Christ, that little green area there. It is known as the church age, just an age when, or the times of the Gentiles where God is just bringing in millions of people into the kingdom, people, whether they be Gentile or Jews, but this is the time of the church. But the next event is the rapture of the church. And boy, I tell you what, it just seems like it any day. Sometimes I read the newspaper, I th think, well, I don't even need the reason newspaper, I'll just read the book of Revelation. It's the same thing. I mean, it's just so, uh, we see so many of the things happening. And that is the rapture of the church. Soon thereafter, we find the seal judgments, seven of them. And uh, it may, the chart kind of looks like it begins towards the beginning of the tribulation period. And it may, uh, but I think the, the last two sets of sevens probably begin at the middle and the very last ones, the trumpets, maybe in the last few months of that time. But notice these seal judgments, uh, then the seventh seal is open and there are seven trumpets. We come to the seventh trumpet now 
And then there's going to be seven bold judgments. And God is just going to pour out and they're going to come rapid fire onto this earth in the last days. Well, let's look at the final components of today's text here as an introduction for the seventh trumpet. First of all, there's great praise for the compassion of God. Let's look at verse 15. All right, let's all read verse 15 together if you would. Verse 15, ready? Let's read it again. Make sure you join us on home, at home, all right? All right, let's sing, read it together. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. What a compassionate God we have. What a loving God we have. What a grace-filled God we have. That this God would bring back the nations of this earth and they are become his. Notice what it says here in this verse. It says the kingdoms of the world. Now, when we're speaking of the kingdoms, uh, we might be, in fact, thinking of the political spheres. But we're also thinking about the plant kingdom the animal kingdom, really all of creation itself is being taken back because Satan really has had his way with this earth for 6,000 years or so, and he is going to take it back. And that's what this time is happening now. At the end of the tribulation period, God has poured out his wrath with seven seals opening, then seven trumpets, and now these final judgments, he is going to bring back this earth. So it says here that the kingdoms of the world are become the kingdoms of the Lord. Now they've always been the Lord's. He's always been moving things around. And yet God allowed Satan to work in the kingdoms of this world for a time. And notice what it says there. It says there were great voices in heaven. This is just a, a symbol and it is an indication of what's happening next. And that is the people of the earth, God's people, uh, the, the witnesses, the 144,000, all that love the Lord are excited and praising the Lord for his compassion and his love that he is bringing back the place that it needs to be. God is bringing the joy to the world and God is coming to the aid of all the evil that has gone on and he is coming to the aid of the victims of that evil. You know, I thank the Lord that we have a God who's going to take care of the victims. We live in a funny day today where we uh, hear much about the civil rights of murderers and rapists. Well, I'm telling you what, I'm glad that there's coming a day when God's going to validate the civil rights of those that are serving him. And that's what he's going to do in the book of Revelation. I just heard in 2021, the California Department of Corrections now is required by law to ask all inmates their gender identity. You cannot assume anymore. You cannot just look at a person and assume their gender. You have to ask them. And then whatever they tell you, their chosen pronoun is, is how you have to uh, talk to them. If they say I'm a he or a she, or if they have a non-binary, you know, I'm a they or a them, you have to pronounce that to them. And uh, it's crazy. I was talking to one of my son-in-laws who's a a correctional officer, and he was saying, it's just getting berserk. I will tell you that for sure. But I thought about that, you know, that is now the new law that you can tell people that they have to call you by your pronoun. You just pick a pronoun. So I 
decided this morning I'm picking a pronoun. My pronoun is handsome. There you go. There you go. From now on, just say handsome. And uh, handsome here. And uh, well, I don't know about that. But I'll, how about Christ follower? That's a pretty good one. Amen. I'm going to have them put it on my cup at Starbucks, you know. And uh, if, if they, or even at work, and especially if you work for the federal government, you can, you can say, look, you have to go by my uh, pronoun. I, that's law. And so you just pick a pronoun, folks. I, this is going to be great. But anyway, all right. So Christ is going to come, and he's going to set everything right. He's going to take care of the, the victims for a change. They're going to get their civil rights. It says the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. And so here he is. He comes, and in the tribulation period... He is going to take back that which has been given to the Antichrist, who really is just a Satan incarnate. And uh, notice what it says in this verse. The kingdoms of this world are become, are become. That is a present tense, meaning uh, they are now the kingdoms of the Lord. They're not going to be the kingdoms of the Lord. They already are the kingdoms of the Lord. Here he indicates that it's already happened. And folks, we can thank God, we can validate that right now. The kingdoms of this world are already God's. He's got it all under control. He's on his throne. And thank God for the last time, Satan will have broken up another marriage. And for the last time, Satan will have ruined another life with alcohol and drugs. And for the last time, Satan will have closed up another church. Now the kingdoms of the earth are finally under the control of Jesus, who is going to rule, the Bible says, with a rod of iron, which is actually a great uh, way to take care of those that want to do the right thing. The legitimate king is going to begin to rule on this earth because Satan, who has had his sway, is an illegitimate king. He is a usurper. Revelation chapter 11 helps us understand so many of the other passages in Scripture. You know that many of the Psalms are known as Messianic Psalms. We need to know that in Psalms, as well as many of the prophetical books, there is always a near uh, historical sense of what's happening, but there's always often a future messianic sense because sometimes you'll read that and say there's something way bigger than maybe something that was going on in David's time. And one of the greatest Old Testament Psalms is Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is quoted in the book of Revelation in this chapter, chapter 11. It's also quoted in chapter 12 chapter 14, chapter 16, chapter 17, and chapter 19. And so Psalm 2 then is a powerful, powerful reminder of what God is going to do. Now, you may have read Psalm 2 before and thought, boy, that's really good. I'm not sure all what it means, but let's go through there. Let's take a jet tour. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 2, or you can follow along here on the screen. Let's go through it verse by verse real quickly and see how it fits in this tribulation period. Verse 1, why do the heathen rage? Why do people that are atheists and don't love the Lord, why are they so filled with rage? And the people imagine a vain thing, triggered. <laughs> they are triggered. Why is it that they are constantly, so constantly against God? Verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves 
They don't just have a live and let live concept. No, they set themselves against and they take counsel together. They will reject anything good or holy or biblical. They reject the Lord and his anointed. Anybody who says, I'm a Christian, you can be sure you're going to be hated by the ungodly. Verse 3, let us break their bands asunder, they say. This is all happening in the book of Revelation, in the, book, in the time of the tribulation. And cast away their cords from us. We will not be restrained by any traditional values. We will not be. We'll do what we want to do when we want to do it. Verse 4, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. God, he looks down and says, what is wrong with you folks? He is incredulous at humanity's foolish attempts to try to change the plan of God. He shall have them in derision. He will have them confused. Folks, if we don't live in a confused society even now, verse 5, then he shall speak to them his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. The trumpets are blowing. Verse 6, I have set my king upon my holy hill. Satan has been cast down and Jesus has been inaugurated. And the Bible is now the constitution of the world. Verse 7, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Why is Jesus the one who rules? Because he was begotten by God. He has the right kind of blood. Nobody can come to royalty and say, I'm a king. No, you don't have the right blood. Jesus has the right blood because he was begotten. He has the right, he, he is connected to God the Father, God the Son. Verse 8, ask of me and I will give thee the heathen for thy inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thank God when Jesus comes and when he comes at the end of the tribulation period to in judgment, the Bible says that from the North Pole to the South Pole, east to west, there's not going to be any place that doesn't honor the Lord. Verse 9, thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. It's going to be you bow to the Lord or you'll be broken. And you either, you either, if you receive the mark of the beast, then you'll be broken. If you accept Christ, then you will have it great. Verse 10, be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. It is time for everyone, and everyone will bow to the rightful heir. Verse 11, serve the Lord with fear, rejoice with trembling. It is time to make your choice. Are we going to serve Christ or the Antichrist? Verse 12, kiss the son, lest he be angry. Kiss, that's pretty intimate. God is saying, you need to make your choice from the heart. Are you going to serve God? No more time for nominal commitment, Christianity. No, it is the time to get close to the Lord. Verse 12, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed is, are all they that put their trust in him. Psalm 2 is talking, yes, it was talking about David's time, but it is talking more about this time in, we know, as the end of the tribulation period. All, ever since the Garden of Eden, Satan has had dominion over this earth. And, but in compassion, God is going to come back and take back all that sin. And he's going to take back all the heartache and evil and it will be ended. And he will establish his kingdom 
Let's go back to verse 15 there, Revelation 11. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. He shall reign forever and ever. And so now we're at the end of the tribulation period. He is going to reign forever and ever. We're going to slip right into the millennial period and then into that eternal state as described in Revelation 21 and 22. In the millennial period, the lion will lay down next to the lamb. There'll be such a, an amazing change. He shall reign forever and ever. And so we're praising him for his wonderful love and compassion. Verse 16, and the four and 20 elders, 24 old people, <laughs> which sat before God on their seats, they fell on their faces and worshiped God. God adds to this great uh, concert of praise, uh, these voices. Now he adds 24 elders. Who are these 24 elders? Well, uh, we uh, know they're not angels. Uh, they're not, uh, they are representative humans. The numbers 12 uh, seem s similar, don't they, to the Old Testament, 12 sons of, of, of Israel, and then the 12 apostles. And so most uh, commentators, uh, and I don't have any reason not to believe it, but the idea here is that this is representative people, God's people from the Old Testament and the New Testament. These are people who are in heaven that are now bowing before the Lord. They are putting their crowns before the Lord, and it is a monumental moment. They have been waiting for this moment when Jesus would be king over this earth. And finally, the catastrophic war and the famine and all the things that are going on in the earth is over. Once and for all, the, the kingdom of Satan is going to be put down. Look at verse 17, saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty. By the way, it's very scriptural to come to church like we did this morning and just sing praise to God. Oh, God. Oh, God. We love you. And I tell you what, we ought to sing every morning. I woke up this morning and I was just looking out there and seeing some pretty flowers on the trees and just the bright sun. I thought, Lord, just give everybody an excitement about serving you and coming to church. And Lord, we give you thanks. Oh, that's my favorite prayer promise right there. Oh, how many times the scripture just says, oh, this is from the heart. And it doesn't take a lot to say that, but oh, Lord, God, Master, Deity, Almighty One, which art. God is God right now, even though people feel like He may not be. Which art. God is God today. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who's in the courthouse. I don't care. God is God right now. He is God and was. He's always been God. History doesn't just kind of float along. History is his story. This is what's happened all along and art to come. The future is all controlled by God because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Again, there's that future tense being seen as past tense. The idea here is that God is now reigning. We're about to move into the millennial period and all the uncertainties of life are now certain from this point forward. Every country, every people group, every family, no matter what, are going to be praising God. 
They are going to be putting Jesus as first in their life. And what, a, what an awesome thing that Jesus will never be impeached. <laughs> Jesus will always be there for us. The praise for compassion. Verses 15 through 17. Now, the plan for commencement. Well, if it wasn't that's so awesome to know that the Lord is compassionate and loving. He's going to take care of his people. He's going to rule and he's going to reign. Sometimes we kind of wonder if anything's ever going to change. It will change. Now we find a plan for commencement. What is God about to do? Look at verse 18. Let's read it together if you would. Ready? Begin. And the nations were angry and thy wrath is come in the time of the dead that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And now we move from the heavenlies, this scene that's going on with the four and twenty elders, all representative Old Testament saints, New Testament saints. Now we find that they are here and God is going to do judgment. And he's going to give rewards at the same time. And so these people, it says here, they have a, they are raging. Notice what it says. The nations were angry. <laughs> the nations were angry. The word there is furious, irate, fuming, seething. Some people sometimes wonder, like, why are these political leaders so angry? <laughs> why are people so angry? Well, folks, because they hate God. When they hate God, they are furious, and they do not like anything righteous or anything holy. Notice what it says here, that the nations will be angry during that time. I mean, so angry. If you have a Bible in your hand, I'm telling you what, that'll be just like, you might as well say, I'm a hateful person. It might as well saying, I hate the world in their mind. That's what they're going to say. We need to re-educate all Christians. We need to make sure that none of them, uh, none of them uh, are around to do that crazy doctrine of them. And so what's going to happen? The Bible says that simultaneous at this moment, there is a great war in a place called the Valley of Megiddo there in Israel, just a name of a valley known in the Hebrew tongue as Armageddon. Chapter 19 and verse 19 talks about it. And I saw the beast, that's the Antichrist, and all the kings of the earth, probably includes the United States. The United States will send an army there. There'll be people coming from Europe. There'll be folks coming from Asia. They'll be coming up from uh, Africa. They're all going to come to this place there. There's going to be so many people in this valley. All the kings of the earth, their armies gathered together. To do what? To make war against Jesus, to make war against his people, to make war against anybody that's right and holy. It says the entire world, including the United States, will be against God. This is history's high point or maybe low point, but it is a time when God is going to judge this earth and it is going to come what, and you, when you think about it, it's hard to imagine why that people would reject Jesus. I, I never can't understand why 
people would reject the Lord. And at this time, there'll be 144,000 people, uh, spiritual Jews, uh, preachers of the gospel. There'll be uh, two wonderful witnesses. There'll be an angel preaching the everlasting gospel. And yet people will say, I don't want it. I've never understood why people don't want Jesus. <laughs> why don't they want God? I was talking with one of dear men here a few weeks ago in our church, and they've been pretty new, really, and he just had such a great testimony. He said, you know, Pastor, he said the funny thing. He said, I am thinking things, I am doing things now that I used to make fun of just a few months ago. He said, I can't believe it, but he said, I'm having so much fun. And I agree, I'm God and church and the Bible and Jesus, they're just so much fun. And I can tell you for sure that these people, are, you just wonder, why are they so triggered? Why are they so raging? Well, it says they're going to come together. They're going to come against God. Notice what happens during this season. Isaiah 24, for example. And by the way, many of the prophetical books talk about this moment. This moment in history when God is judging and he's taking back the earth. Look at Isaiah 24 and verse 21. And it shall come to pass in that day. Notice a lot of times where it says that day. The Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high. <laughs> Boy, they sure think they're high. And the kings of the earth, those people that have exalted themselves. Verse 22, and they shall be gathered together as prisoners gathered in a pit. They think they're gathering themselves to rule. God says no. They're gathered here at the Armageddon like a prisoners in a pit. They shall be shut up in prison, and after many days they shall be visited. And the moon shall be confounded. I mean, the moon is going to shake and shimmy and turn back and it's going to turn dark and it's going to turn light. I mean, people are going to look in the sky and say, what in the world's going on with the moon? And then it says the sun shall be ashamed. There'll be an eclipse and the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. And so that's this season. That's this moment. That's the time when he sets it all right. Talks about it again in Isaiah 26. Come, my people, verse 20. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. God is speaking. Yes, he was speaking in Isaiah's time to the uh, incoming uh, Babylonian armies, but he was speaking to the people in the future day. God's people, hide yourself, just meaning be careful, be cautious, take some security measures, make sure that you try to protect your family and yourselves, because what's about to happen is just going to be unbelievable. Verse 21, for behold, the Lord cometh out of his place, he coming from heaven, to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity, their sin. The earth shall also disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. There's going to be so much blood, the Bible says, they won't even cover it. Literally, there'll be blood just all over the streets. There'll be so many dead people, the Bible says, they won't even bury them. I know people feel like there's a lot of deaths lately, and I sure much there has been, but I will tell you this much, it doesn't even come close. The slaughter in that day is going to be so great. The Bible says they won't even be able to bury them. They'll just hope for the birds to come and eat away their bodies. And the prophets foresaw that. They see it as a coming day. 
And for centuries, the earth has cried out for justice. Now let's go to verse 18, back again in Revelation 11. This is the time of the dead. Now, the dead, that they should be judged. So first of all, he judges the living. Now he judges the dead. And he gives some reward. That thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, unto the prophets. Specifically to those that are prophets and preaching the word. And to all saints. And to them that fear thy name. Anybody who puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ whether they be small or great. First of all, there is the judgment of the living. God is going to find out, or he is going to establish, maybe is a better word, he is going to establish who is going to go into the millennial period, who is a sheep, and who is a goat. You may have remember that judgment in Matthew chapter 25. And so now at the end of the tribulation period, there is a judgment period known as the judgment of the sheep and the goats, God is going to separate the sheep. They go in to the kingdom age in a physical body. Now that won't be you and I because, uh, or won't be me and won't be many of you. Now, if you're lost here this morning and somehow you might get saved in the tribulation, it might be you. But uh, if you were here this morning and you're born again, thank God we'll already be in heaven. But these are people who get saved in the tribulation period. These are people who have a physical body. They've not been glorified. And so they're sheep and they're going to go into this millennial period. And that's why we've said before so often in scripture that Lodi is still going to be here in some way. Stockton's still going to be here, sort of. San Joaquin County is still be here, sort of. America will still be here in some sort. I mean, a third dies, a fourth dies, the all kinds of things are happening in the earth, and so it's going to be reconfigured. But I mean, it's still going to be much the same. And people that perhaps you know or I know, maybe they will get saved. That'd be a great thing. And they become a sheep, and they get to go into the millennial period. Then the dead shall be judged. And so the dead of all the ages will also be judged. The living, the sheep and the goats, and then the dead shall be judged. That's found in John chapter 5. I think it's an interesting verse. So let's go there. John 5 verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming. The hour is coming. There's a specific hour coming. Only God knows. And even now is working. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. There is going to be a kingdom uh, resurrection. There's going to be a resurrection at the end of the, the, uh, the time of uh, the uh, tribulation period. And look what it says in verse 29. And there shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And so uh, these dead... Uh, that uh, died during the tribulation period. These saved people that died during the tribulation period, they'll come forth. Others, they will come forth for damnation. Look what it says God's going to do. He's going to give a reward unto the servants, the prophets. God's going to give a special reward for those that have been faithful to teach the word and love the word and believe the word and give it forth. 
give out tracts and live for the Lord. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, God talks about a prophet's reward. And I'll tell you what, what a glorious thing it is to know that God rewards those who serve him. And then notice what it says, the saints, verse 18, God is going to reward the saints. What are saints? That's just a word for people who are born again. It's a word that means separated unto the Lord, holy unto the Lord. And so the saints, those that fear the name of the Lord, God says, no matter who they are, small or great, anybody, regardless of their gender, their background, their people group, whatever color, financial background, ancestry, God says it doesn't make any difference. What's the one requirement? Let's go to John chapter 4 and find the requirement for those who are going to be rewarded by the Lord. John 4 and verse 23, the hour cometh, there's that word again, there's a special hour, and even now is, when true worshipers, are you a true worshiper? Are you those that worship the Lord in truth? John chapter 4, they shall worship, how do they, what's a true worshiper? They worship the Father in spirit and in truth. From the heart and biblical, someone who is genuine and someone who worships from Scripture, that is, biblically so. They're not coming to God from a Mormon standpoint, not coming to God from the Book of Mormon or from the Koran or any other religious writing, a human manifesto, no, from a scriptural standpoint. And notice what it's going to say, God's going to give them a special reward. And then look at the last part of verse 18, that God is going to destroy them which destroy the earth. He's going to destroy them that destroy the earth. Now, this is not God going to judging people who don't take care of the environment. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about those who have participated in the satanic system that has destroyed everything good and holy and righteous from day one. It is the greatest pollution of all. The greatest pollution today we face is not water or climate or even global change, some kind of weather change. No, it is a sin pollution. And that God says that's the end of it. God's going to judge it. And that day is coming when he will judge those that destroy the earth. Sin destroys the earth. Now, not only a praise for God's compassion in verses 15 through 17, and then a plan for the commencement of the kingdom where he gives his judgment to those that are the wicked, the evil, but also a judgment of rewards to the holy. Verse 18, finally, a promise of glorious communion. Hallelujah. A promise of communion. Verse 19, and the temple of God was opened in heaven. A heavenly temple? Praise the Lord. Think about that. I mean, Solomon's temple was amazing. Zerubbabel's temple slash Herod's temple was incredible. And the tribulation temple will, I'm sure, be an amazing place. But the temple of God, also known as the throne of God in Scripture, was opened in heaven. I mean, they looked, looked right into it. And there was seen in his temple. They were able to look into the temple. Can you imagine looking into the temple of God? What was there? The ark of his testament. Or that means promise or covenant. 
looking and seeing the promise of God. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. God gives this glorious promise that He is going to fellowship with mankind in a beautiful, special way. This heavenly temple where the Ark of the Covenant is, the real Ark. Did you know that everything that was done on earth really is a symbol of what was done in heaven? Look at Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 5. God speaking about the Old Testament saints who worshiped there in the temple, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. The earthly tabernacle was made after a heavenly one. And we know that it must be because the things that we see in the earthly tabernacle, we kind of scratch our head and think, what in the world's going on? But God has all these wonderful symbolisms and pictures and ways for us to understand how He deals with people. And notice, this day of Armageddon, when there's earthquakes and sounds and hailstorm, at the same time, God is fellowshipping with His people. Only God can have that wonderful balance of judgment and mercy at the same time and grace and truth all working together. All at the same time, God unworried, it says, there He is in heaven fellowshipping at the mercy seat with His people. Folks, this historical world, this world is coming to a culmination where Jesus is going to be made King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This world is not random chance. People want to act like it is, but God is putting all things together. History really is His story. People talk today as if this world is going to be like this forever, but no way. There's going to be a change. It's coming, and it's coming soon. People today act as though God doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't matter. Church doesn't matter. It's not essential. Folks, it is the most essential thing of all. And this book just um, just substantiates that and reminds us again how important it is for us to draw near to the Lord. What should we do in light of this? The Apostle Peter said, in light of all these things, what manner of people ought we to be? Jesus is coming soon. Human history is on a freight train towards meeting the Lord. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said this, he said, watch therefore, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. There was a man who worked on a riverboat for 30 days at a time, and he would just long to come back home, long to be able to see his wife and his children. There, as the boat approached the home port, the captain announced, hey, fellas, your wives are gathered on the dock. Hey, there's Bob's Mary. Hey, there's Tom's Betty. One by one, each man was called out. But the one man was a little disappointed because his wife wasn't there. He caught a ride home with another couple. He walked into the house and his wife was there. Who smiled at him and hugged him and said, Hey, I've been waiting for you. And he replied, Yeah. Well, he said, you were waiting, but the other guys' wives were watching for him. And folks, sometimes we're waiting for this to happen. 
Jesus said, I want you to watch for that hour. We are to be looking for his soon return. What manner of men should we live knowing the coming of our Lord? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our heads are bowed and our...